transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Hello and welcome to Make Me an Island number 27. Our September song is one we've been careful not to sing too soon, but now that the day and the time has arrived, it's a real pleasure to present both the automatic and tasty Autumn Sweater special edition of Make Me an Island featuring Johnny Dillon as himself. And with me, Donald Neen, playing myself, together we'll be discussing both the poison and the remedy, the latter being his wonderful new LP, A Farewell to Reason. Speaking of farewells, since we last spoke, two very significant musical lights have been extinguished. In the next episode, I'm going to pay tribute to the great Toots Hibbert. But today, I'm going to speak a little bit about the legend of Simeon Cox and try to put into context the contribution his band Silver Apples made to altering the course of musical history. But before we launch ourselves into outer space to get a read on the Silver Apples Comet, it's time for a little grounding. My current reading is a fascinating book on the Irish language by Moncon McGann called 32 Words for Field. And the title of this opening tune by Automatic Tasty is A Field in the Morning. The gentle softness of the sound and the way it strongly entices you to dance suggests the field in question could be a bon og. A patch of ground levelled out by years of dancing. In word and function, my own personal favourite of all the 32. Open that gate.
remember now, the gate to the Bawn Oak is always open. Outstanding in his own field and many others, that's Automatic Tasty from 2012. And the man himself, Johnny Dillon, will be along shortly to bring you up to date on his musical adventures, fieldwork and more besides. Now that we have unlocked the gate to the Bon Oak, it's time to kick open the doors of perception and take ourselves back to New York City and 1968. Simeon Cox and Danny Taylor had both been members of a group called the Overland Stage Electric Band. The electricity was provided by Cox, whose fascination with sound was limitless, unlike the patience of his bandmates, who unceremoniously turfed him out once his love of the oscillator grew into a full-on obsession. Without realising it, Cox had built his own eccentric prototype synthesizer. This idiosyncratic setup soon mutated into a machine called the Simeon, which grew to consist of nine audio oscillators with 86 manual controls, including telegraph keys, to control lead, rhythm and bass pulses with hands, feet and elbows. The otherworldly wall of sound he conjured was built on top of solid foundations in the shape of Taylor's deeply hypnotic looping drum beats. Add in Simeon's fragile vocals, set the engines to standby, and say goodbye to Zero G. Oh 
perhaps obscured by the glare of the sun which they sailed so perilously close to, silver apples didn't set the year of 1969 on fire the way their incendiary sound most definitely should have. The confusion they encountered is beautifully captured in a photograph of their first ever gig, which was a free party to 30,000 people in Central Park that summer. Trigger warning. Anybody out there who has ever carried boxes of records, amplifiers, keyboard stands or giant crucifixes through festival fields should avoid the picture of Simeon struggling with the weight of enough oscillators to knock out the national grid and bring the curtain down on a nascent summer of love. What the picture also illustrates is the dogged determination on his part to overcome all obstacles and bring his blueprint for the future all the way to the frontier. His singular pursuit of a brave new world comes to a head on program, which is shot through with samples of extraterrestrial radio broadcasts. This explosive tune encapsulates their crazy magic on full power, a Catherine wheel of flammable material spitting out sparks within sound waves. Hearts of fire, hearts on fire, and the flame is its own reflection. Oh, 
whoever it is determines when the world is ready for a particular innovation checked out when it came to silver apples in 1969. The frosty reception that greeted their groundbreaking first LP, however, was nothing compared to the hell that froze over when they attempted to release a follow-up as the year ended and the decade turned. The record was to be called Contact. The idea of posing in the cockpit of a Pan Am jet on the cover, surrounded by drug paraphernalia, was controversial enough. But the reverse image of the duo sitting among the burning wreckage of a plane crash was a bridge too far. Predictably, the back cover plan backfired spectacularly, and within months Simeon Cox was back home in Alabama, peddling ice cream on terra firma, having twice circled the cosmos. The beautiful, banjo-bolstered, refined sound of Ruby was just one of the gems that never saw the light of day. Revolutions in sound that slip under the radar at the hour of their making have a way of reverberating across space and time before coming back to haunt and inspire the truth seekers and flame keepers of different generations. Silver Apple's prescient sound not only predated Crouch Rock, Can and Suicide, but it also laid down a wildly experimental blueprint for all future sonic explorers and adventurers. Those sparks within the Silver Apple's sound waves have been lighting fires ever since. On their 2008 album Third, Portishead presented an unashamed homage to their pioneering forebears.
If in doubt, when in doubt, just carry on.
as we have seen many times throughout this Make Me an Island series, the good stuff may get lost, ignored or too quickly forgotten about, but the innate power of something truly magical never diminishes. That's the nature of alchemy. Like water, it eventually finds its way from source to seeker, undiminished by age and far outside the testing limits of time. Upon rediscovery in 1998, Simeon Cox did what all true artists do and used the momentum the acclaim brought to propel himself back into the creative driving seat. He was still making music into his ninth decade. 79 years old and with sense of wonder firmly intact, this tune from 2016 is a fitting coda to a lifetime pursuit of the beautiful.
one dream is over, another one begins. Simeon Cox, Silver Apple, Oscillator, Space Traveller and Dreamer of Electric Dreams, rave on, you crazy diamond. Now from one distinctly modern man to another, we switch our attention now from outer space to inner Wicklow. It's automatic tasty time.
Yeah, he told me about this brilliant dream. <laughs> that's a good place to start. Um, so, Johnny, that's um, Johnny Dillon, Automatic Tasty. It's so good to have you here. Um, and I'm a ballad for a modern man. So, hang on. Um, a Farewell to Reason, it's a, such a great record, and it's kind of the reason you're here, and, and there's many other reasons, but it's one of the reasons. Um, there's something about it that really fits with now, for me anyway, um, now being... Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I don't know. It, it, the actual, it, it, the provenance of the of the album is is a bit further back, right? So, uh, quite a bit, or uh, about five years, about 2015. That was the first one I wrote. Okay. Bad for Modern Man. Yeah. And it was the first, it was the first piece of music that I'd ever written yeah. with words in it. Oh yeah. So making instrumental music of different sorts, sitting in my bedroom playing guitar for a million years, that sort of crack. Yeah. And then later playing with synthesizers and mm. drum machines, tinkering around. And we will actually, uh, we will get to those things yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but there's, there, there's just like that, uh, the, but the, the leap into kind of using your voice and talking and saying things. Yeah, that was, uh, it kind of came out of the blue, I must say. Like, mm-hmm. it really did come out of the blue. I'd never, I'd never felt drawn to sing anything. I'd never, f- I'd never, I'd, I'd write and scribble little lines and things, but never think to write a song or like mm. I'm going to sing this song kind of thing just mm-hmm. never never really did it never ever no no but uh, and, and certainly not with like in a music making context or something I forget what the hell changed with this except that I was definitely in a kind of semi forlorn state mm-hmm. I was definitely uh, kind of the background to it I think I was living out in um, out in Dalgany in Mick Walks, the gaff mm-hmm. the kind of cottage there mm-hmm. uh, not far from I grew up anyway and around the time that that had been recorded had been up at the kind of Carmelite nuns writing like an orthodox icon for about a week every day I would like go up and you know orthodox iconography the old icons whatever you kind of you write it as opposed to paint it okay sorry I didn't know yeah yeah. so apparently like it's it's written not painted even though it's it's a painted image part of the theological thing behind it or whatever so I was doing this uh, this icon and then at night we kind of go over to the horse and hand and kind of get semi-hammered and then wander over to the common the again. horse being the horse uh, and hand a, pu- a pub oh boy. right okay I thought but, it was like, no 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 well, he, Johnny's got a horse <laughs> <laughs> his cloak and, and away he went he's never seen again no this is a lot less um, a lot less okay, romantic the horse it was the horse and I take it that in Delgany people don't say the hound no, no they don't they don't they just refer to the horse okay and uh, yeah we're gonna get get quite cut there and then go back uh, to the common morning and carry on with the, the iconography it was around that time that that song was written oh, okay right there's a certain um, a certain kind of melancholy a certain loneliness about it mm. you know what I mean yeah um, and so there's a kind of forlornness to that to the whole record in a way yeah. it ends on a, on a, on a but yeah, there's a, there's a little cycle. There. Maybe that's the thing that I find is in keeping with now, you know. But but uh, as in, you know, it's uh, anyway. But look, there there's a there's definitely there's it's it has a beautiful melancholic yeah. tone. But you know, I I find it incredibly uplifting at the same time too. So there's lots in there. That's what stuff is. I think. But there was yeah, absolutely. The thing is that that one was then the trigger for writing more. Is that yeah, the yeah, case? Yeah, okay, yeah. I, right. I was like, I was very. Um, I was very moved by what had happened and kind of surprised by it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there's there's something here, basically. I remember being on the dart, going into town and listening to that song about fucking 500 times in my headphones over and over and over for yeah. blast. Just sitting there kind of like, what, the, what have I written? You know, this song, you know, mm-hmm. rolling around it, which 
actually when I write a new song anyway I'll listen to it a lot but this in particular but I remember sitting there staring at the window kind of lost in some sort of you know reverie about this tune or whatever and this guy behind in front of me sorry on the dart turned around just scowled and eventually got up moved to the other side of the train I was like fuck I've just been wrecking this guy's head on this journey from fucking he's gone on a bray all the way to town he's like, he must be thinking why what is this dude doing playing this goddamn song over and over again so he turned around gave me a solid scowl got up and uh, moved to the other seats down the train but yeah kept listening so just like yeah so I knew something something had kind of um, some loose thread had popped out of the cosmos basically yeah. just pulled out so another one forward progress that was the next one I don't know how that came a few months later mm-hmm. but they all like some of them there'd be maybe six months between one being written but I knew it was still in the air yeah when I referred to it in my mind I was like oh yeah is that thing still there yeah that cloud is still hovering over my head it's still there mm-hmm. and when the last one was written which is these days when that was done the cloud evaporated like it was yeah. it was done and I knew that it was done I'd like to do more again you know what I mean but with that as a little cycle, a little chapter, a little yeah. cosmos. And, and so when what, it was what, done, what I knew year it was are done. we talking? Um, Started in, in 2015 uh-huh. and then finished in probably early 2016 or something. Okay, okay. Or maybe a bit later, a year and a half maybe. Okay. Mid-2016 okay. or something. Yeah. About, yeah, early mm-hmm. 2015 to like to mid 2016 or something mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure but and, and is that thing that you're describing really something that I suppose the nature of, of you hearing yourself back saying stuff that's you know about yourself and all that you know as in the that that was you know a revelation even after all the revelations that had come through music you know yeah. making music yeah, and then doing that it was just like an extra dimension yeah I was just kind of moved by it, I'm just like it was like listening to songs somebody else wrote. Like, oh, yeah, I really like that. Song. Yeah, you know and it, it giving you <laughs> opening up space for you to yeah, yeah, think yeah. or, or exactly, what, yeah, exactly, dream yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that yeah, thing yeah, that exactly. music does. And and uh, you know, a lot of the time then when the ones were recorded, I wasn't kind of going in with this ready-made template. If it's going to sound like this, and mm. I'm going to sing these words and kind of you know, hit them with the hit them with the smoke machine or whatever. It just it arose in the studio, mm-hmm. the, with either. Like one of the things that I did that seemed to work uh, to allow these things to come out was to slow all the drum machines down okay. and slow everything down to like maybe 110, 113 mm-hmm. BPM or something. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't done that before. Yeah. Um, She's below the speed limit across yeah. Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, that, that was something okay. that, I, that I specifically remember slowing everything down mm-hmm. for these. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so then we'll say with the words then, um, mm. was that a flow that, that happened then or how did that? Um, I think I had like, a bad for a modern man, I think just kind of appeared, you know, blink, there it is, mm-hmm. out of the microwave. And then it started with that little, the opening melody was the first thing that mm. appeared. And okay. I was like, oh, that was like the loose thing. The feeling, I said it to my buddy Timmy, put the record out, when I, it's like, when you're looking for the sellotape and you have the roll and you're kind of you're like fuck where's where's the the bit that you know what I mean the bit oh yeah I know and that feeling that and then you're like here it is and then yeah. it, you pull it and and this loose thread pops out of the cosmos and then once once I have that just that grip on that tiny bit I know yeah this thing is coming out from behind the curtain I know it is great that was the the way in with that one whatever mm-hmm. forward progress the next one was more a little bit more kind of abstract 
tract, I guess, but that was written in what in, way? Well, I, it's, I, it's, I, I, I ask because I think <laughs> speak, speak, going forward, uh, it, the thing is that I think we should probably stay in the chronological area for a little while and play it next. So, okay. so what, what do you mean it was more? Just that it wasn't as like uh, specifically about anything, apparently. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Except that, uh, again, there's a certain, to my mind at least, a kind of loneliness about it. Mm-hmm. But also a, well, a kind of, what's the word? Not, not, um, there's something kind of reassuring about it as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I walk this road forever, like good yeah. road, yeah. bad weather, you know? Yeah. Okay. This is the right way to be going. Okay. The circumstances around it change. Yeah. And all the other descriptions in, in the piece are more, I guess, yeah, just ships and memory being thrown overboard, ships mm-hmm. sailing away, mm-hmm. tomorrow better than before. Something slightly, again, I suppose, just a certain melancholic or slightly lonesome feeling. That's, these are the things I keep, I don't want to harp on it, but those are the, the, that's the landscape. Keep going yeah, like yeah. But overall, something that is still, uh, it's kind of, what would I say? something reassuring behind it or like yeah oh, this is the right way you know sure I mean? that there's yeah all will be well. I, I get that resolve in there yeah. um, <laughs> on that bombshell i think Corey, <laughs> when, when do you time a bark there all together okay let's hear it
Yeah, it sounds so wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess the, the the thing I was trying to get at earlier is that there's you know certain music is it it's it feels good to kind of you know go walking or moving or it takes you moving it takes you mm-hmm. you know it sets things in motion, and I think what it, what it's brilliant is is you know at at that point. If, even if there's a very melancholic or sad kind of basis or foundation for the music, it really doesn't matter because it's got its own momentum and it's kind of it takes that and turns turns it into something that can yeah. be another space. But that's what music, you know, what is, what is that's the like, this is the strange kind of paradox of music, like the pain that brings healing or something. You know what I mean? What is yeah. about music? There's a word in Spanish. Is it duende? Is that the thing? No that idea. I, it could be. That no, could be. It, Maybe like, I don't know what the, I'm talking. This about. is the kind of exactly as you describe. It's like what is it about? the musical that creative process where by an expression of something that's painful or sorrowful or something that you identify with some in some way and feel that and yet kind of redeems itself or it is healed or something yeah but you have to feel it you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think actually most of the time the problem problems arise from not feeling the pain or something you know and so some music like that is maybe a vehicle for yeah to to, to get you to access that or to access touch it, yeah, with that as opposed to saying it's a bit just like if there's an oxbow lake of pain that you can't touch or something that you need to connect with in some way And but the strange thing about music is that it kind of brings comfort even in a sort of sorrow or something and you need those yeah that's the thing you know even in, in hearing these songs that somebody else writes or even songs without music it's like it says the things that we couldn't say or or it says mm-hmm. the things I don't even I don't even know myself what I mean in a way mm-hmm. but I do know mm-hmm. overall what the feeling is or something yeah. you know what I oh, mean oh yeah it, it, it's undoubtedly that that it that the inexpressible in yeah, words yeah, is, yeah. is music something ineffable um, yeah. but yeah so like yeah it sounds I mean yeah the the, the tunes uh, in on this record I mean they have you know they have such an irresistible groove there going on that there's uh you know, we're yeah, we have to definitely honor that, I think, as opposed to <laughs> keep referring to the pain. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, as yeah. In, uh, but Zoom in on the pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom out. Yeah. Is there is there something that, like, you know, are, 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 I mean, I, I kind of hasten to <laughs> ask, really, because I know you, you do your own thing, but is there something that kind of a reference for the sound that's there, or is it something that um, you just... Yeah, there's a... F- Let's see. Hmm. There aren't any that kind of. I mean, there's so many. Feel free not to answer that question. Actually, yeah. No, I don't know. You know what? You know what? I don't really like asking such questions. No, I know. I know. What you mean. There, there aren't. It's its own thing. It's fine. No, it's, it's yeah. not that. It, there, there. It's just it's hard to sometimes pin down some of the references or where little melodies or bits come from like there's a little bit in Battle for a Modern Man a little thing in this Yamaha CS5 the melody thing I was playing and what came to my head was the melody and remember Dog Tanyon the cartoon from the 80s he used to okay. watch it as a kid there's like a little bit of that melody he was like oh I still, you know, put that in there there's bizarre little kind of little bits and pieces like that that obviously. was not what I was expecting no, no. Uh, <laughs> but that's perfect <laughs> but also then there's obviously like kind of references to craft work even using the machines like 808 and 707 and stuff like this mm-hmm. um, William Onyabor as well some of his stuff would have yes. been list- would have listened to for years his tracks but yeah there's so there's those oh, okay nice okay that's a great things answer things around but it's hard to pin yeah uh it down to a specific of course it's just strands of of all bits I think and it's, pieces it's kind of strand i mean it, it equally be influenced i suppose by 
you know, at a at a remove, put the likes of you are and tracks records and stuff, you know what I mean? Right. But yeah. In a kind of dim and faded way or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um Johnny, we'll move on to um something that completely different that you're also responsible for in in the name that you were given at birth. But um <laughs> with with Automatic Tasty, um I just want to take another um, example of this wonderful record of Farewell to Reason. Um so just to round it off, onward forward mm. what would you say about that? That's uh I think that that is probably it's the one that says it the most, kind of, for okay. me, you know? Yeah. Um, there was, I can't, I've gone looking for this quote afterwards, and I couldn't find it. I had read something by Hildegard von Bingen to the effect that there's no turning back, or, you know, obvious yeah. statement, whatever. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I can't find it. I can't find it for the life of me. But there was something that I'd read of hers that went into this. And I suppose, again, just this sense of a new dawn rising out of the ruins of some destitute scenario, yeah. you know, interior or exterior, you know, yeah, yeah. new beginnings hidden in painful endings or whatever, those sorts of yeah. landscapes are there, but it's still, it's uplifting. I find this one really uplifting. Yeah. And um, to just keep, keep bloody pressing on, you know, you yeah. just have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. You just have to keep going. That's, that's what we must do in this life, you know. Build yeah. a bridge across the stream. You just keep up the hammering on. Yeah. There was kids out in the back garden as well when I was recording it, that they were they were playing in the back garden next door. I was living in Monkstown by the time in in my late grandparents' house by the time that this was recorded, and uh, I stuck the recorder out the window, and they're they're on it as well. Oh, great! Is, so it just kind of fits, yeah. Um, For those people listening at headphones, no, I mean you know it's it's it sounds sometimes tried to say things like just keep going, but then you know when you say it in a song like this, I think we can all I yeah can sign up for there's that. There's nothing else to do. You can't just sit yeah. down and die. You don't. Know? You have yeah. to keep hammering away. Like mm. it's. Uh, but there's a, there's a thread of uh, resolve. I think in <laughs> is, is yeah, uh, definitely, definitely whole, all through all through all of them all through all, all these about, you know, six four, songs. I guess four. You know, there are two with, with yeah progress movement. Mm. Um, yeah, motion. Walking down roads. Yeah. Moving, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, all that walking stuff. around. Uh, also, speaking, you see, well, no longer required to go to the record store, but I, I made the mistake, Johnny, I apologize, of buying this on Apple, on Apple. On Apple uh, uh, buy it on Bandcamp, everybody. It's, our yes, our yes, wait yes. the record is going the to be. The record will be out, yeah, it'll be out in the next, mm, I would say, hazard a guess, two to three weeks, I would hope. Mm-hmm. But i got to give a special thanks to Teamy as well, Teamy at Wrong Island, who saw fit put these out mm-hmm. and I'd sent them to him years ago we were chatting back and forth about them and finally um, while out one night in Dublin in what's that pub on the lovely little pub lovely Guinness just near Portobello no idea it's like red and green is it you're asking the wrong man you ask Cora oh I am you're all cups of tea god damn it I'm going to kick myself now I can't remember it. anyway we were having a nice punch Guinness in there and decided finally it was like let's, let's put out this record yeah oh Tony Hughes is that it anyway no ah, mm. strike that off yeah. the record don't take that down in minutes but um, himself and his Mrs. Karen they're, they're now based in, in Portugal but through Wrong Island he decided yeah let's go let's put it out and the work he's put behind it has been amazing and just it's amazing to see it become something that exists yeah. other than on your proverbial walkman you know what I mean yeah. and then it have interactions with people and go not the just world or whatever. bloke on the dark not just bloke scouting <laughs> in the dark yeah. Um, um, yeah so yeah I'd done a record with Wrong Island before and um, an automatic just, tasty record yeah yeah that was just straight up kind of acid housey mm-hmm. bleepy bloopy stuff or whatever with all the machines but uh, 
yeah, delighted that that team he saw fit to put this out. So it'll be it's on yeah, Bandcamp. You can get it the wrong island Bandcamp. Yeah, and then it'll be in whatever shops and yeah. so on. I guess. Great, uh, back in all city too. Okay, let's <laughs> yeah. hear it. Onward, forward.
uh, the kid sounds sounds yeah. <laughs> I love that tune, Johnny. We can nice. we can agree on that one, right? That's a banger right there. Right? <laughs> I, hope, I hope I haven't been like vague and talking about them or something. it's hard to talk it's, it's kind yeah. of strange you know to talk what it's 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 difficult to asking people to talk questions about their music and especially um people like you no it's it's <laughs> difficult uh because I, I guess yeah it's personal and then you haven't that much experience of talking about them have That's, you no none and then i, I mean don't apart even from feel like bending I your ear about me be doing that uh, privately or maybe or something yeah, but that's always always good crack but i, I don't feel like I was, I was i was saying to you before we started this i had caught myself as trooping around the fields yesterday thinking Oh, what do I say to Donald about these songs? And then I was like, "Stop doing that because yeah, you're gonna make you're gonna yeah." There's nothing. You're gonna I mean, make a little story up in your head. It's like, don't do that. Yeah. But it's hard to. It's part of the thing that that's involved in trying to justify or or say something. As in, you shouldn't really get into that. Really, I think it's I think it's better not to worry about getting into don't that. Don't point and at holy things or something. Well, you know what? That's it. And it's um. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I'll get my coat. <laughs> no, the thing is, it's 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 just that it's just that. Okay, as somebody who's asked those questions, a lot of people, I, I, I'm quite care. I, well, anyway, look here, I am telling you how I am, but I'm I I would be careful about sort of how much to kind of ask about. You yeah, know, there's man, a limit. Such a generous manner, or like a generous well, spirit about you. Like yeah. that's, that's you give you give a voice to so many for so many years and. And that's what I'm this, trying to do. That's but what you've done, man. For yeah. it's it's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm not Thanks. saying in that regard of like oh, yeah. no, holy things or something like that. You're, you're I, I've always loved chatting to you about this. Yeah, and also I had a lot of experience of talking to people who hadn't ever had to think about it, or or yeah. and it was it was nearly always good that that would happen because, mm. as you say, it would give some kind of platform to figure something out or or ex- yeah, yeah. say what it is or yeah. say what it. Anyway, yeah. to talk about it yeah, yeah, yeah. was always useful. I found, or in in the right context, of course. Um, I mean, it's funny because I know a lot of people who, good artists, who are so tired of being asked the same questions. And, I can, uh, yeah, I can. I mean, I see. And uh, when you, there's something more painful than. And I totally see. agree with that. You know, yeah, as 100%, in, 100%. you know, the thing is that if you're if you are a certain. Um, yeah, it's just how it works, you know. Like generally, it, for, for the majority of press, would be like a questionnaire. It's just you know, the same cut and dried kind yeah. of shite. And, uh, I know, I hundred percent. I know where you're, you're from, from. Wicklow, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, God Almighty. I mean, you watch, you watch like figures back in the day. I was watching some um, David Bowie interview or something a while ago on YouTube, and it was just painful, painful to behold, mm. like the the kind of. Oh, the the thoughtless lines of questioning or something like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, I've been on I've been on the side of I actually yeah I, I then the, yeah I was telling somebody else it's a long I, maybe I I shouldn't anyway Lou Lou Reed I interviewed <laughs> him and uh, oh right no right. and it was it was just like, because now I'd look on things that he would have done to journalists in the in the early seventies when you know kind of sunglasses on them yeah just messing with their heads completely yeah, there's a yeah. famous one of him arriving in Australia that's like it's for a media studies dream this thing yeah. he demolishes the competition and he's firing on all cylinders at mm. that point but um yeah so like. Uh, it was yeah. Should I tell the story? Yeah, I guess I'll tell the story. It's, it. it's it's like um, 
it kind of sums up what you're saying about, the, you know, because when you're looking at a Bowie interview or something, there's a whole lot going on there. There's mm-hmm. several people have been priming the person who's asking the questions and mm-hmm. pampering the person who's answering the questions. And it's all wrong, generally. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody gets one-on-one time with a big star, there's a whole pile of other stuff happens, usually, yeah. that, to machinations yeah, yeah, yeah. that make that happen. Mm-hmm. And generally, it's all reduced to some kind of a pitiful amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, so it can you know you've seen the results many times but um so i had um when it was it was no disco time so yeah. so uh, early 90s and um i had got a few kind of decent interviews and then Lou Reed came up and mm. i think somebody else pulled out that usually was how i used to get an interview as <laughs> him and uh, there was an opportunity to interview him um, and in paris and uh so the the night before I met his press person who she met all the people who were interviewing him the day before. Mm. And and she was like, um, I don't know, we made some kind of impression on her and we ended up chatting to her for a while and she gave me a load of papers and was like, you know, uh, she said something along the lines of, you know, you want to be... Uh, it's you about yeah that he's had he's there's been a couple of incidences already of people crying and <laughs> <laughs> leaving going back Sweet. to their own country and all this stuff <laughs> with their tails between their legs and you know she's kind of saying look you know this is going to be disaster this could be this could be tough so don't be i was like oh my god <laughs> And, you know, like, it wouldn't be my style to go through the papers, but I was so worried, and uh, I was like, oh, God, I go. Interview with the New York Times, interview with some other thing. You know, interviews that he'd done with loads of... Like like a a reference? Like a book of bullshit. A tome of... PR bullshit, yeah. Yeah. So, like, all of his big interviews. And so I was... Yeah, so I flicked through everything, and uh, I found this thing that he wrote, an obituary of Sterling Morrison in the New York Times and it was so incredibly beautifully written it was the most mm. one of the most beautiful pieces mm. of writing mm. I, I wonder I better check that it was in the New York Times but it was an obituary of, of mm. him and uh, uh, so this was so like a light into his soul that I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was thank- I was is. like that's who he is so I'll just know this it was it was an interesting <laughs> tactic but it, it proved it worked so probably hit him in a place where he wasn't prepared some emotionally resonant I don't know but anyway look (laughs) here's it so like I was like ah that's the thing that's how I that's him there you know how how did he respond when you were like oh no no well well, see the the, the piece was more or less saying the piece was they made up on his deathbed more or less so it was that big thing you know like it was like you know what I mean you can imagine it it was important and uh, so I when the interview happens, so the way it works with these things is that like you set up and then the person is, everything is set so that the, they walk in and there's no more adjusting of anything because they, mm-hmm. they don't want to be wasting your, their time. Yeah. Uh, so it was like one of those things of like, okay, everything is set and then there's the lights and all the people and just everybody move out and the chair is there and you're waiting. So it's already like for a nervous wreck like me, it was already like a nervous um, breakdown-inducing yeah. kind of situation, yeah, as in yeah. the heat of the moment type I of thing, you. and yeah. waiting for him, and then just get somewhere with him. So, like, the, I'm trying mm-hmm. to explain mm-hmm. what it's mm-hmm. like to kind of before or after that starts. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Mm. But anyway, he walks in, and he's got like he's still quite young at the time. He's mid fifties. He's got like he looks fantastic. He's got 
silver bomber jackets and r- reflective Ray-Bans and uh, <laughs> so he sits down and I try to say hello hello and just probably don't make a sound and uh, then <laughs> then say another thing which I think may have been a question but it was like something <laughs> along the lines of a man uttering something and then I got a question together for sure I made a question and he said nothing all through all of that stuff and I try another question and he says nothing and I'm like and I can see my you know sweating bullets of sweat like eyes bulging face in his uh, in his uh, mirror shades and um and the, the glare from it just started to the blood drain from I know what it, it was all I was like I was losing uh, the plot and uh, and the the director was I was just about to turn around and go what am I going to fucking do when he said have I got spaghetti on my chin to me <laughs> well I was the person so I was like no no and he was uh, and uh, and he, uh, he, he was like what's your name and I was like I'm Donald it's like your friend Donald which who was in the article but it's got no D at the end and he goes you got no D at the end and I'm like no 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 D at the end and he was like and, and I was like and I'm and your friend is a photographer and I'm into photography too and he goes where are you from Ireland like and it became it like it was like I it was unbelievable and and those little facts of his friend Donald being yeah, yeah, the, yeah. in the in the obituary yeah it was like oh Donald and Donald and D and no yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um anyway so that's kind of my insight into the interview thing but right so it's Paris it's February I've never been there before I've never you know it was just a big deal and uh so at the time there was like a virgin megastore in in Paris in the in beneath the Louvre right and at the time, that was my idea of a great night out, was like a mega store open all night. That's I'm there until 12 o'clock, which I was, right, with my friend Donald, uh, another guy with no D at the end. So uh, we, I remember, some people listening might remember this place, but it had a big, huge blue wall and an escalator that took you up into the square in the Louvre, you know, that mm. place. And... Um, so we're being kicked out at five to twelve, and there's like, okay, let's go home with bags of records, and we're going up the escalator, and they play "Walk on the Wild Side," <laughs> and I have in my pocket a note. I, I, I only twice ever asked people for an autograph. Yeah, yeah. I asked him to sign the thing, and um, and he signed the obituary, and and he goes to Donald brackets D close brackets all that matters Lou and I, I had this note so in my pocket cool. with walk on the wild side <laughs> and so it was cool. snowing <laughs> and there were tears that's amazing <laughs> but anyway that's the that's kind amazing. of uh, that's anyway that's enough about me but I'm just trying to say about the interview process sorry that's a no, mad a tangent heart. no it's good it's good but it's just a thing of it's innately false you know it's innately set up really depends uh, on the context I suppose well, no, I, I mean I'm, I'm generalizing but the, the, the level at which you see an interview with somebody that yeah. is being promoted by a record company or a film mm-hmm. company is there's there's there's, there. there's very little soul involved in yes. that in, in that exchange you know mm-hmm. And of course, people are clever enough and brilliant enough to break through where you see people on, on the big shows like mm-hmm. Graham Norton or something mm-hmm. like there, and they, they, they give it something. Mm. But I mean, if you're not 
going through them. I mean, it's just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so much of it. But I think it'd be great to think that what's happening now would clear out all of that sort of chat TV. And yeah, well, there's so stuff. much. I suppose there's there's like there's less in the way of. Well, for example, here we are sitting in your gaff. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like there's things stopping us. Huh? Having these actual conversations, no, yeah, letting yeah. things row around, whatever you know, without uh, and, the same uh, uh, microwaveable approach. I think that, um, yeah, and that's been a bit of a, a learning thing for me is that I, I, I was driven to distraction by being frustrated by watching and listening to stuff in, in mm. Ireland. You know, yeah. uh, we, let's just concentrate on Ireland. Mm. But you know what I mean, as in the bloody bullshit that's on TV yeah. and on the radio mm-hmm. uh, mostly, mm. and. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have anywhere to go with anything, mm-hmm. you know, so this, this is the, the, that, and that, that is, um, yeah, at least there's some, I think it's the only way to operate is to put something there that's not the other thing, and yeah. that, that people, applies to... Yeah. Hopefully people will gravitate towards, what would you say, some sort of sincere mode of expression, you know yeah. what I mean? One would yeah. hope. Yeah, I just think it's out of sync. You know, to me, there's like to me that those kind of, to me those big shows that are on TV on mm. Ireland, for instance. You know what I mean? Apart from Tommy Tiernan, mm-hmm. is like is what's the point anymore of mm-hmm. of talking this way about this stuff with these people promoting this or mm-hmm. some other RT stars? You know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that goes on of like. Uh, um, between each other you know I mean and of course we are two blokes talking about to, about something that's kind of maybe it's you know but there's a lot of that on, on the on the national broadcaster and there's everywhere. an awful lot of that huh? it's everywhere it's everywhere yeah but look on that bombshell Johnny let's get back to the music <laughs> right um, I, I, I think one of the amazing things about um, uh, what what this album that we've just been talking about is that it follows an album that is so accomplished in a completely different way, right? And um, so I'm talking, I mentioned All City there, but so All City brought out ballad songs. Songs for a one-string guitar. Songs for a one-string guitar. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's you on the acoustic, and, and thankfully you've brought the same weapon here. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was saying to you, it's it's so uh, two things that of of it's like it's like Miles Davis togging out for Galway <laughs> in the hurling, <laughs> but it, there's there is that little thing of like okay, um, so in the in the timeline is is the guitar first or where does yeah, the first first, first and that's and, and first and always foremost okay well um, no first foremost then into the background and now it's here yeah in the front again and so and so first being when about age 16 right. got an electric guitar for christmas lost my mind with the guitar okay. lost my goddamn mind previously had played nothing else nothing oh. no <clears throat> remember being in a maid of mine scuff years and years ago on Greystones and he there was like a Queen video on a concert or something oh right and he was it like could be 86 no when they played no like, idea no oh. no clue some old VHS tape he had oh well yeah it's probably it's probably Live Aid Johnny no it was like um, like videos of their songs oh you know okay. what I mean oh videos of their songs like yeah. I think it was like a kind of was it home recorder who knows but he, yeah. he had been watching this kind of this like you know you used to my brother used to record like songs and MTV and oh, stuff yeah, well, this, so whatever you, yours and everybody else's brother yeah, yeah. and sister so he's in the gaff and he's listening to these songs and he decides like oh he's going to get a guitar and then I was like mm, I want to get a guitar so I think I harangued my parents to get an electric which I got for Christmas and then I kind of I think I even I, I snuck in to like take it out and play with the amp and plug it in and learn some little riffs and stuff like this before Christmas even 
in, in, in the shop? No, no, like in, in the house oh, in Greystones. Oh, before you know I mean? Santa came, you mean? Exactly, as it were. And uh, yeah, I remember just like falling. I remember my folks having to come upstairs and take the guitar off me because it was obviously clanging and making noise, plugged into the amp because I'd fallen asleep with it on. Oh, right, okay. I'd sit on my... On my uh, you start as you mean to go on. Start as you mean to go on, yeah. I'd sit on my bed and would listen to... Lots of the old kind of 60s stuff initially, like loads of Jimi Hendrix records and Pink Floyd and stuff. And I'd listen and catch this lead bits in particular, not the chords, really, but the lead stuff. And a mate of mine showed me some scales. And then I realized you just need to catch this one root and you apply this little pattern to it. And you can just, I just started to learn everything by ear. So I so started learning from like guitar lessons and Jimi Hendrix kind of stuff you know what I mean and never, just never had uh, well, I, I had this guy who used to come around to the house like every Thursday and he'd teach me chords and stuff like this okay. and then I don't remember one night he came out to my, my mum and he was like um, I'm not going to come here anymore I, I, nothing, I can't teach him anymore so oh. he was just like I've obviously had, I don't know he, he had I'd gone beyond the chords he could show me or whatever yeah. and uh, so yeah we just just play over all my favourite albums so that gave me a good ear because yeah, I can't and, read and music so or always on the electric electric initially. guitar initially yeah yeah and then then discovered like folk music and the likes of kind of like Andy Irvin and Paul Brady especially but the, lots of the stuff had been in the background kind of for years and never paid attention to it and they kind of come back to it later on when I was 21 I got an amazing gift of an acoustic guitar which is the one that's still beside me from my girlfriend at the time's father from, from my birthday at that time which is amazing <laughs> gift that acoustic and started playing the acoustic around then and then got into open tunings the kind of the, the drop d stuff initially and more traddy folky world or whatever and then over the years that kind of developed into that like i don't even know what the technique is called that thing with your thumb alternating bass mm-hmm. where you have this solid set bass line going mm-hmm. and then you can begin to introduce separate melodies over that mm-hmm. where it's like several voices playing at once kind of thing yeah, right. I just got lost in the in the in the acoustic basically but then when I got into the synthesizers and drum machines and stuff yeah. which I had I had hated electronic music all this time but my buddies were always listening to it but eventually cracked and got into the railway raver and stuff like this then I got all these synths and started learning all that and then the guitar yeah. I didn't look at that for years mm-hmm. um, but now now it's all kind of yeah, it's all sitting there. Uh, uh, which is a good point, as any, I think, to ask you to actually pick up this. Yeah, same, yeah. Play, same this machine. is a this is a, a new one, the newest one I wrote. It's, oh yeah, it's, um, this is the one. It's called the great big ship that came and floated everybody away. Yeah, what's it about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, great, Tony. Okay. Take your time there. Yeah, yeah. No.
<laughs> Sound of Now with Johnny Dillon. That's amazing. Johnny. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Um, I, I, I suppose um, coming back to it, you played uh, one show in, in the Sugar Club to, to mm. the launch of the album. Um, uh, the launch of the album was for, was in the Lower Deck. Oh, right. The gig in the Sugar Club was for a kid's with supporting David Kidd. Okay, right. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, so, but um, also there's been a couple of shows. There was maybe, there was those two. Yeah. And then there was the thing for Emmett, the Another Love Story online thing recently. Oh, yeah, that's well, right. So. Which is still there, I think you can... It's on the interweb, yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, so direct people to that. Um, another Love Story. It's over there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's right there. Um, let's have a listen to some <coughs> stuff, um, Johnny, that you you've mm-hmm. sent. We were we sent back and forth. Um, I suppose it's it's as good. It's a good place to start with. I sent you these years ago, so didn't I? Before that, yeah, I, and I knew most of those actually. So I, but um, I I will we start with John Fahey, right? Just maybe take one. Um, oh, sorry, I thought you meant my. Son. Oh no, yeah, sorry, yeah. those tunes. Absolutely, I've been living with those for a few years. Um, but no, with these ones. Um, Influences. The, the, the kind of influences, yeah. So I suppose, I mean, John Fahey seems like a good place to start when yeah. it comes to what we just heard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. He is effectively, you know, the the beginning and the end when it comes to finger-picking guitar, mm-hmm. right? Would mm-hmm. you say? Um, For me, it's just I find his stuff so uh, endlessly moving and like it's it's impossible to go near it. In a, in a technical sense I love the fact that it sounds at the surface so at parts like there are kind of mistakes I'm kind of clawing there at my fingers here whatever yeah the roughness apparently of some of the notes and stuff in it yeah but it adds the emotional content of it mm-hmm. but then some of the techniques and rhythms and changes he does with things are just fucking Excuse me, of course not. Yeah, they're just astounding. The thing of, of, of uh, when springtime comes again, there's a live version of that from San Francisco, live at the Matrix yeah. or something like that. And there's bits in that with the rhythm, or another one, um, A Letter to Susan or something like that. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But there are parts where if you really zoom in and you're like, what is he doing there? It's just yeah. spellbinding. And yet at the surface, other people would sometimes isn't him. And I've seen terrible comments at concerts of his just the YouTube right, kind of yeah. comments of like this is just what is this nonsense the guy's playing yeah. the same thing over and over but I absolutely love it yeah. from the early stuff all the way through to the to the yeah. him uh, at the end of his days plonking around with mm-hmm. a delay pedal and just playing notes yeah. just, I, I, he was just a lawn to himself I, I, I read a lovely quote today with um, an interview that he did with The Wire mm. um, and he says I was creating for myself an imaginary beautiful world and pretending I lived there but it, but I didn't feel beautiful. It didn't feel beautiful. Um, I was mad, and I wasn't aware of it. I was also very sad, afraid, and lonely. I mean, mm. I think he he was a troubled soul. But yeah, yeah. But, but that all comes across. There's a whole that, that's right. There's a whole cosmos of being in his songs for when, me. When you said about you know those elements that are there that that are you know that that stick and that kind of go mm. against the grain, he 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 seems to you know I mean like a great painter, he seems to represent something mm-hmm. in a way that's like very individual. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of like I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be just to seem like hyperbole or some of that, but I just for me it seems like there's a lot of kind of tragedy and comedy and violence and stuff in his music mm-hmm. and also real moments of tenderness and mm-hmm. yeah. there's a kind of biblical quality to a lot of it or something it's yeah. just yeah yeah John Faye I mean I'm still just barely getting to grips with his yeah. Yeah. world of music but um, yeah, but it should be obvious what I've stolen from you know what I mean 
Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's if it's stealing as such, but it'd be yeah. So let's hear when when the springtime comes again. Yeah, amazing. Fahey. Oh, this is called when the springtime comes again. <clears throat>
but you get so lost you forget that it's live right so it's it's, uh, it's um live at the matrix in san francisco um in 1968 mm. it's believable he, he um he just he yeah, he invents this world of sound somehow. World, world is the word. Yeah, um, you get lost in this world of sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's unto itself, as in like there's, it's a John Fahey sound, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny, uh, what, do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, how? Like, I mean, we'll say when you were writing your the tunes that formed the basis of of the album, right? The one string um, guitar mm-hmm. album. Um, like, are, are you just kind is of? That all right? Oh, actually, yeah, we'll shut the window. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I'll, one second. Eh? <laughs> I'll now go and shut the window. <laughs> sound of sound of heavy boots, heavy boots running. Uh, sure, you can chop, you can chop and change everything, right? Oh yeah, also we can leave it in. Oh, yeah, that's uh, actually even better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sound of Dublin. Uh, now gone. Yeah. I mean, there's if you know back in the day mm. of being on the radio, right? Mm-hmm. There was. Um, because of the nature of the job, there was a lot of, of bus drivers would listen to me on the radio, mm. and uh, you'd get a lot of uh, of uh, requests and stuff. And, and I got to know a few uh, bus drivers as a result, yeah, right. and still do actually, and say hi to John the busman as the right now. <laughs> but there's, um, uh, you know, you can't really. I mean, there was a point at which I could send a message directly to the number three <laughs> bus uh, between <laughs> 11 and 12. No longer, because this is a podcast. But, you know, yeah, in, in yeah, an yeah, ideal yeah, world, yeah. I'd be able to say, hey, listen, John, would you mind saying on the radio to tell the number 41 to see to turn the engine off? But um, Gone are the days. The good it, old uh, days. <laughs> I will say, though, that, uh, you know, all the bus drivers that I have to ask, could you mind turning the engine off? Because mm-hmm. outside my window. Um, are all one hundred percent sound about bus it. So, so, um, so there we go. So anyway, if it, yeah, gone out to the bus mm-hmm. drivers. Thank you. Um, what my po- my question was, mm. um, what is like, wh- where do you begin to kind of invent your own sound? Is mm-hmm. in you know to take something that you've you know a form that's recognizably kind of taken to a, an extreme. In, into the sort of max there with mm. uh, his his abilities of, yeah, yeah. of so many different sounds that he's at, got going on. Um, like, where do you begin to be original in there? That uh, is a very good goddamn question. Is, I, I may, don't know. Maybe you just answer by playing the guitar. No, it's I mean, a good question. It, it's, it's a good question. You know what I mean? It's I'm I'm interested because simply because the, I mean the technique involved, right? Mm-hmm. Phenomenal technique. You 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 know. I mean, there's you know all about it, right? Um, but then there's the inspiration to kind of yeah you see there's there's it's it's the inspi- it's the it's the heart of fire is the thing it's like there are other musicians like um Leo Kotka or something like that amazing okay. musician but doesn't move me his music uh-huh in the same way or what's the other the amazing Australian guy his name escapes me incredible guitar player like mm-hmm. Tommy Emmanuel, isn't that it? Okay, an amazing, it. amazing guitar player, mm-hmm. and like, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of, I don't know, this strange sepulchral light hanging over it that mm-hmm. certainly John Fahey's music does, and loads of other music that I like, be it electronic music or old gospel stuff or country stuff or traditional stuff, that ha- that I gravitate towards the same feeling sometimes in art, something slightly, it's bizarre. I don't know if I'm answering your question, probably not, but. I, There's I, a strange I, I thing like about, going with about it. art, not, right? That, that why is it that, like in particular, I need, I want my art to be sincere, 
You know what I mean? I don't want insincere art, but art is artifice. You know, it is artificial. But mm-hmm. but I want I want art to lie to me in a sincere way, or create a world that's more true than actual, like yeah. reasonable, literal truth, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like when something is really technically proficient, but totally soulless. I mean, who does? Obviously, yeah. but but that's something that often well, uh, you know some people do. Well, I suppose yeah. But <laughs> say you have someone who has like. I have a PhD in jazz and behold, as I sing this um, like Billie Holiday song or something, mm-hmm. but you're left cold, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's certainly technical mastery for someone like John Fahey is, is obviously wildly apparent, but it's not always that. Like it could also be someone who can barely play the guitar or it's mm-hmm. really simple, but they're, they're hard as my father. Like Mississippi John Hurt is, is another mm-hmm. really simple often, but mm-hmm. it's not even about the technical proficiency or something like that it's the heart that's behind it but you also need you know high yeah. resolution technical specificity say to get out these complex phrases at times that, that would can seem to be the case particularly with him and and, and i think you know uh, it's just that that um it's such a kind of uh, rich tapestry that it, yeah. it, it requires you know a, an inordinate amount of skill to, to obsession keep, to as keep. well obsession, Obs- and, obsession. And, uh, i guess obsessive behavior is part of it yeah yeah i think so and, and that's the thing i get obsessed with things as well yeah musically or, or ideas or whatever so that that is a necessary component In- of it but there's never an attempt i'm never trying to be original you know what okay. i mean specifically like yeah. that's also something that, that i don't quite um gravitate towards as a thought in like electronic music say mm-hmm. that that something should sound should sound new or something which is a more of a consumptive kind of like oh here is the new thing it is it is of virtue because it is new well no it's not here is also something that's part of a tradition like it's a 707 yeah, and a 303 right, okay, well. or here's a, an old gospel song or here's a traditional tune i like to uh, <laughs> adhere to a tradition maybe it's me being 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 lazy or something no. like that so not to be original but originality isn't something that i'm adhering to but sincerity is or or a kind of expression i want to be yeah i want to express myself i'm i'm driven to i have to create but i i don't understand necessarily what the the impulse is but it is it is sincere Oh yeah, but you've I, you've answered about eight questions, eight sorry. future questions no, in a row. No, no, it's fantastic. Well, I'm no, 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 what are you apologising for? That's probably like the best nugget of information about what it is, Johnny. I think it's a. I think I think it would be if you play. If can you? Would you mind playing a tune in response? Well, not in response, but just at this I point, do. simply because it's. It, you know, I think it's a really good way to say what it is that you're. you're you yeah, it, it, it's to me that what you've just said is very obvious in the music and very obvious in the way that you present it. So. Um, but I and, and the original putting the word original in there was purely really well. I suppose I, I'm I'm just it's it's I'm really intrigued to, as to be sort of like w- with have the ability to kind of like go somewhere mm. similar. You know, yeah, yeah. That's it, that's, well, how do that, you f- how do you find your own voice in a musical? You know, it's a hard, it's a weird. That's it. How do you do that? Yeah. And and I mean, so that that comes into a question of say originality or or being unique or being sincere or being yourself or something with yeah. your own yeah. art you know what I mean or your own music whatever and ha- like that's it's a profound it's a hard and strange question you yeah know? oh there's our, our friend in the bus um, yeah so yeah the question of, of originality or, or of it's it's well I think you're right about the saying the new thing is kind of consumptive in the sense of there being some fresh produce and yeah, yeah, sales yeah, and it, like, it know, is new like uh, so uh, what it's uh, shit yeah and then that, that's because you know there's 
there has been a transaction involved. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway looking. There's nothing wrong with that per se. You know no, what I mean? no, no, not at all. Uh, but I suppose I just what, 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 what you were saying earlier about the heart of the matter. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think heart you know, on fire again. Yeah. yeah, so that's the thing that like is in all sort of great art that we have. You know, sort of I suppose across the you know yeah. the many forms that it takes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose when it comes just purely to the guitar, I was really interested because you know it's something that you know. Um, it takes a lot of time to, to kind of get to the way you're able to, to express yourself in such a way through it. Mm. And then when it comes to the actual playing of it, um, I mean, you know, when you said about the obsession thing, does it kind of allow you to be that way with, you know, I mean, I guess all instruments do that to a point. What do you mean? Certain like, As in, you know, like kind of like there's there's no end to it. You can keep in the guitar, of, the guitar does something in particular because it's so bare and it's I'm not writing any words and it's kind of so, it's like, it's just, there's a, is there a fragility? Do you think? Maybe that's the wrong word, but the music is exposed or something like that. Um, does it allow you to indulge in those things? Yes, I think so. I would certainly get lost in, in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or would have grown up, certainly. That happened with the synthesizers and drum machines mm-hmm. and stuff as well, but in yeah. a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you were saying obsession, mm-hmm. you were kind of meant that, you you know, that you can kind of take it to the max. I just get, a, get obsessed with like, like with the with the drum machines and synthesizers and stuff, I'd come home. I remember coming home. I was living in this cottage in Kilcool years ago, and um, my mate Laura, she wasn't home at the time. I was living with, and I came into the house and fired up all the machines and had them all going and recording stuff. And then I realised, like, I got to be up for work in the morning. It's midnight. All the lights are off in the house. I haven't eaten any dinner. My jacket is still on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just gone whoop straight in and just gone. And hours are gone mm. with the guitar as well. I just yeah. just you know, just go and go and go and go for yeah. hours and hours and hours. Don't do that to the same, don't have the same, I suppose. Now my energy goes into m- multitudes of different things. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not in the same mm-hmm. way as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't just sit on my guitar 25, yeah. or sit in the, my room yeah. playing guitar 25 hours a day or whatever. But, um, but, 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 but for the duration of when that's going on, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. To, yeah, definitely. To, to that relationship between you, the younger yourself. Oh, 100%. The, the yeah. instrument. And with the acoustic stuff, the songs and um, they often there are blocks or motifs that will appear yeah and then they'll be kind of changed together but they're often kind of movable and uh, break them up uh, and, and move. do you work in a way of taking notes or no, i take no. it that it's pure field so it's more yeah, yeah. You, you i don't even i can't i can't, don't you, know you the names of the chords like or, a sculpture more or less right it's all in As it's in all in memory there's no nothing's written i can't Great. read music or write music <laughs> like that. I, I i would like to maybe learn a bit more but i don't know the names of the chords that i'm playing but i know yeah. their relative position like okay, i know what yeah. needs to be going on or something like that but i don't know like play c or something like that on the especially in the open tune stuff yeah. i wouldn't have a clue mm-hmm. but but uh but it's so it's it's by memory yeah mm-hmm. um on that bombshell um t- would, be, would it be possible yeah, to yeah. reach for the machine this is um called johnny tries to catch a pomegranate this was written oh, yeah, this at was the same right. time as um bad for modern man and all that oh this great that okay period great And uh, just a warning, he doesn't know what's going on.
wonderful stuff, Danny. <coughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, so I'm just we, we, let's actually jump on to some of the other things that you sent influences wise. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely time to hear um, uh, a, a woman's voice like Dolores Kane singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I she's uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, she, what a fantastic singer she mm-hmm. is. Um, and th- th- this tune that you've chosen, right? With John Faulkner, do you know what that's wh- wh- when or when? Yeah, uh, 1975, I think. Uh, Broken Hearted, I wonder. That record is a beautiful record. But again, it's like when I heard that first, that album first, it just blew my mind. Like just the the simplicity of the arrangements, but the emotional power of them. Then there's something about so many kind of, I suppose particular kind of folk songs that have existed as part of an oral tradition or whatever they often kind of get sandblasted of all the lit- all the literary kind of schlock basically yeah. Yeah. down to their emotional kind of core or whatever and um, I don't know I think that Dolores just really manages to deliver that emotional core with them and there's always these strange little images of like you know boats moving across the sea or a man on a horse riding away from a castle across a green field or like these simple straight four kind of images whatever yeah. that really resonates but um, this album I love the, her singing I love John Faulkner's kind of work with the I think he's playing a bazooki and guitar yeah. no not bazooki just guitar I think in the yeah. background there's low whistles and stuff like this in mm-hmm. the rest of the record but it really reminds me of my um, my mother's family of like would be very much kind of Irish languagey like with teachers and all and, and had a, in particular had a, a cottage up in Sligo that I spent my youth in basically mm-hmm. Uh, and when I hear this, I can see that cottage, and it's like yeah. half door and Yates stuff everywhere, and Ben Baldwin just outside or whatever. So I don't know why, but this this reminds me of my my mum's family. Let's find out why. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs>
Um, the it, is it a good? T- it's probably a good time to mention. Um, so Johnny, as as wearing yet another hat, the the the, the Irish folklore. When you're when you're <laughs> your, your podcast, which Blurini Bailidish is that Blurini Bailidish. Yeah. So yeah. it's also <laughs> it's also f- folklore fragments, right? Yeah. Is well, it was kind of a terrible idea in retrospect to like take take this unpronounceable name that. People didn't but know what it meant. No, Blurini, Blurini Bailadish means folklore fragments. But isn't that beautiful? Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Alliteration in both languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Score. I yeah. think it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, I love the, the title and uh, its meaning. Cheers. And, uh, and the podcast, indeed. I mean, like, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, sorry, look, I just, it, it's, a, it's, a rough no, it's, attempt, it's a rough attempt at a link there from something from yeah, uh, yeah. Dolores Kane. But like, so you, you, you're, extremely interested in this area and you work in this area and, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's a dream scenario in the sense of it's great that you're there but um so it's a it's a dream for me that's for sure yeah it's uh, i'm the archivist at the national folklore collection i yeah. work as the archivist there mm-hmm. and the national folklore collection is it's based in ucd university college dublin yeah and it's um it's one of the largest archives of folk tradition in europe so that's Oral literature, like folktales, riddles, songs, proverbs, jokes, rhymes, legends, etc. Oral yeah. literature, stories mm-hmm. in, in the oral tradition. But then also material culture, trades, crafts, occupations, utensils, mm-hmm. recipes, clothes, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then social folk custom, rites of passage, calendar custom. There's a whole cosmos of being and cultural knowledge and tradition that's there that the Irish Folklore Commission uh sent brilliant men and women out to harvest basically yeah. f- field workers dating from when um, so the field work dates from like the 1920s and then up to contemporary times yeah um, but we have older collections like manuscripts say from the 1700s and so on and so forth but the interesting thing say the vehicles a lot of the text a lot of the folk tales or songs that would have been collected uh, say if they were collected from an elderly woman in Leitrim in 1935 that she heard from her great grandmother or, or whatever you'll find older variants of that yeah. song or yeah. story in tradition sometimes stretching back thousands of years yeah. back to like the early 
Hindu tradition oh, or, or Hindu, Indian, you know, yeah. it's insane. For example, mm-hmm. you know, tipping it up to Nancy, Christy Moore often sang tipping it up to Nancy. Oh, there right. was a woman in our town, there lived a woman in our town, a woman you all know well. Oh, she yeah. loved her husband dearly and another man twice as well, right? Mm-hmm. This song he learned, I think, from the singing of John Riley, who's this traveler in Boyle, can't you oh, yeah, Colin? The, who's, who sang False Lang? Exactly, 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 exactly. So Ian would be, yeah, yeah so oh, we, we heard all about him. Okay, yeah, so, so John Riley was recorded from by, by Tom Munley, yeah. uh, who worked for the Folklore Commission or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had that song tipping it up to Nancy. That song, the the earliest written versions of it that I can find anyway, are are from a collection of Indian folk tales called the Pantatantra. that are thousands of years old. There's a story called the Butter Blinded Brahmin, which is the exact same story about this uh, this woman essentially who's going to trick her husband and goes to blind him with a certain food that she's advised to give him, which he has actually managed to set up or whatever. Uh, and 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 she comes a cropper at the end of it. So when Christy Moore is singing the song that he learned from John Riley or whatever, you yeah. find that the original written version of that is in the Pantatantra, this Indian folktale, thousands of oh years old. It's, it's insane. It's insane. So you have all these stories, customs, beliefs, practices that are crossing like like think of the physical divides of like mountains, yeah. oceans, and then time and generations yeah, and so on yeah, yeah, yeah. to be sung in a pub in Wexford or whatever. Yeah. What does that? What does? What does it mean? What do you do with that? So <laughs> to be sung in a personal way in a pub in, in a personal way, way in a pub in Wexford like in an insincere way with a heart on fire. Yeah. So but, then, so so anyway, the folklore. So I work in the in the. That's archive. I just I just can we just stall on that fact for a minute? Just yeah, the, yeah. the idea of because it's ludicrous. It's, I love finding these threads. Yeah. Because for me, from the outside, you know, I mean, not the outside completely, but in the last while, um, you know, and then the, what I'm doing with the podcast is the yeah. kind of uh, expression of that in some ways, because just more and more interested about how things spread or how things connect. worked or began or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or, or connect. Yeah, you, exactly. You mentioned tapestry in relation, yeah. relation to so something earlier. It's like these are the... Pulling a thread like and going and going, oh, right, okay, so, and then, you know, the way you kind of find these connections, it's sometimes like that being an amazing example. Mm. But it's it's in the course of the last few years, as I dig into places, like, you know, I just find, oh, well, that possibly was something else somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, okay, so listening to Scottish folk music, for instance, yeah, or yeah. whatever, or, and, or, or, you know, stuff that's... Um, and, and it was something I forgot to say earlier about John Fahey, but just, you know, the way American stuff, it's just like, it's all from, you know, Europe or Africa. So it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, and a lot of the European material comes from India and just spread across. You have all these interlinking golden threads in this golden tapestry. Mm-hmm. It's like a living dynamic force. A bit a, a, so. as, as, as long ago as there was expression, there was an exchange of that stuff and, and land Always. mass was not the, the term, yeah, that, you know, that yeah, it was yeah. What, yeah, quickly but overcame. The, uh, the, the, yeah, the archive, the, the folklore collection, is a, it's a holy place. It's an amazing, amazing yeah. place. It's open to the public as well, if anyone can, can come in. But um, a few years ago, myself and a colleague of mine, we decided to set up a podcast, basically, yeah. because a lot of the time when you look online for stuff like this, it's kind of five facts about leprechauns or whatever that you come up with. Right. So we decided to do something about it to kind of, um, just to explain, I suppose, expand on or send out the richness of the material that we have. Like, there's about 12,000 hours of audio material there in the archive. None of which contains a dog barking. Actually, actually, the director has a funny story about conducting conducting field work and a dog endlessly barking on the tape. Is so, that it? So I'm afraid there is a dog barking. But, uh, okay, we've, we've reached that point in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, one, one sec, Johnny. i got to go back one sec. I've got to go yeah. Go toilet break. <laughs> Back from the toilet, everybody. Um, Huzzah. You were saying about, yeah, the 12,000 hours. And, uh, yeah, yeah, approximately, of, um, of audio, and there's thousands of manuscripts, there's about 80,000 photographs, there's a huge, huge um, 
kind of store reservoir of traditional material. Yeah. Um, of all sorts, so customs, beliefs, rituals, rites, and like I said, material culture as well. So yeah, it's uh, oh, sorry mater- by material material culture. culture what I mean, well, by folklore in general, I suppose we're not just talking about old stories. We're talking about kind of anonymous, traditional, informal, communal cultural expressions, largely that are kind of formulaic, basically. Right. And that can be um, a song. Yes. That is anonymous, as in we don't know who the author is. It's in the oral stream. Yeah. But there's often a lot of back and forth between literary and oral traditions, whatever. It's communal as opposed to a song that Donald Deneen himself invented. It's I know it and you know version of it. Yeah. It's communally shared and known or whatever. And informal, basically. That can go for oral literature, song, story. It can also find expression in something like a thatching technique or a type of clothing yeah. shown by customary example. Gotcha. No architectural plans, no blueprints, unofficial culture. Yeah. But for Delargy, who was the, the, the who established the folklore commission, in a way, for them, uh, he talked about the, the the state papers of a forgotten and neglected people, right? So for him, the formal archive holds the legal records of the powerful record creators of the state, say the great and the good, kind of the deeds to Christchurch and so on. Even though we blew them up in the civil war, but um, for Delargy, it's like the unofficial culture is the is the that's the one that gives the real authority to to say you know, the Irish nation and, and pride in your past and yeah. this sort of thing. And in particular, he, his fear was that there was this old order, a Gaelic order that had existed for since time immemorial and it was basically disintegrating. And so they wanted to, to, to collect the fragments lest they perish. That's a quote from the Gospel of John that the folklore of Ireland society has, basically. So yeah. there's a, a sense of a rush and a race against time um, to collect a lot of Irish language material, folk tales that, like, that we have material recorded from... Um, there's a story, Ochr Machri in there, and Ochr, a king's son in Ireland, and it's about 30,000 words long. But the guy who recited that to the commission, he, he wouldn't have read that. It wasn't written down anywhere. Oh, wow. So you have these really, like, this high artistry of these, the Shkeleche, Shachas, Shanachi, like a, a storyteller as opposed to Shanachi. Oh, yeah, because so, so, so Shkeleche is like is the, 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 the so storyteller, storyteller. Oh, got you. So, so it's high, there's, a, there's, a, there's a level above the Shanachie. Well, Shanachis is like local lore, historical lore, for want of a better word. Yeah. Like it's a clunky word for it. But, um, but the Shkeli would be, yeah, the storyteller. So folk tales are these like large, multi-episodic kind okay. of, you know, and there was only a few mad bastards who would, again, be so so skilled, I suppose, to <laughs> tell. only a few mad bastards. Who, in, in an area who, who were like really renowned but, but as, who would as be capable uh, And would be capable of the... Yeah, the, yeah. The, and a lot of what they had, they had these like kind of floating... Uh, interchangeable runs like scenes that could be changed from story to story say where uh, it's uh, hundreds of warriors are described like fitting out a boat and setting sail to uh, uh-huh. Norway or something like that but that run would be present in lots of different stories and it'd be really ornate but it would kind of give the storyteller a chance to sit back and relax because it was so memorised no there. way yeah do you have all these bits that float around and different 30, variants, versions, th- around 30,000 words. So in the manuscript, there's a note from Delargy and it says, um, what does it say? It's like, this would take up, I don't know, 500 pages in the journal of the, folk of the Folklore of Ireland Society or something like that. So, And, and, and this was, was, was recited without... It was recited, dictated, I think, into an ediphone, wax cylinder machine, like D. Garnig, as they say, just bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was transcribed exactly. So what the folklore collector had to do yeah. was go and write down the vehicle. As Sean Sullivan, who was the archivist first in the 30s, then described, he was like, well, once this stuff is collected and written down, it's like it's, an, it's like a museum piece. Mm-hmm. It's not in the tradition. So Delargy and them were afraid, that, like lots of these 
lots of Gaeltacht areas were collected where there is no Gaeltacht area there anymore, yeah. you know, in the glens of just, Antrim. Just before the, they were Yeah, vanished. just exactly, yeah. And then the storytellers, I suppose, would have would have disappeared, that that art, that kind of art as well. So in a sense, some of that stuff was disappearing, but on the other hand, tradition never disappears. Wherever there are people, there are folk traditions, you know, so... Yeah. Like, they didn't they didn't, uh, they didn't, didn't want to collect in the cities. In Dublin City, they were like, nah, there's nothing there. Right. Which then, later, in 1979, the Urban Folklore Project yeah. addressed that balance because, of course, there's there's an enormous amount of stuff there. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's kind of, yeah, interesting, the bias. There's there. a rural bias initially, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And there's a, a bias towards the Irish language in the early days. And, and it was also important that they captured that stuff, so, you know. But the, it's just, it's like, it's it's an incredible yeah. array of stuff. So the podcast tries to take yeah, so a topic you, every... every. Okay, so you, you dip in and you take a theme. You take right? a theme, so, so, so there's like sacred trees or holy wells or something like that. So, yeah. and in each one is supplemented by... Can I just ask you before yeah, yeah. we go on, a question about a holy well, right? So last week I'm in Kerry and I've... Um, um, I've been cycling around for for a while, um, and uh, but we, I've been there's a there's a little kind of unknown peninsula or unvisited peninsula, mm. the the Kerry Head Peninsula, which is a very much a farming heartland, mm-hmm. hidden by Tralee, really, as in you can you know the other the very um, uh, the Ring of Kerry and mm-hmm. the Dingle Peninsula. Um, I cycled those as well, and like you know, incredibly busy, um, mm-hmm. obviously. And then you go uh, to the Kerry Head, and uh, and there's it's just farming, really, mm. and uh, farming and and uh, doing bits and pieces of shopping and mm-hmm. farming <laughs> all around the whole peninsula. But it is full of treasure, hidden treasure, yeah, yeah. and it is completely unmapped, really, in yeah. terms of. But there's a little well there. Um, I don't want to go too far off point. There's a village called Causeway, um, and um, and it. Has has a pier called the Minigahan Pier, very close by, but a spectacular place and very, um, you know, it has all the little features of the Antrim Giants Causeway in the rocks there. And uh, but just if very close to that is a holy well, which was um, Saint Dalin, D A D. A H A L A I N N. Never seen the word before. Never mm-hmm. knew this place existed, but it was meant to be like a place for the blind uh, mm-hmm. as Those are common yeah yeah and is is it true to say that there was like test done on these wells that mm-hmm. and they had the properties of 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 oh, oh, that the cure the properties yeah. yeah there was on some of them there were so there's another good example from Kerry Boylesidna is an amazing story from the 12th uh-huh. century my favorite tales about a king who's cursed by a monk and he goes mad he flees the battlefield ringing across the spear tips and he composes poems naked in the woods basically has a, like, a truly awful time but it's it's incredible you have to read it Bulla Sydney the frenzy Bulla Sydney the frenzy of Sweeney yeah but part of Sweeney's kind of miserable travels he, he flies down to Glowning Elt in, in Kerry the valley of the mad and there's a holy well there and he kind of sups water from the holy well and then flees again in terror or whatever and I think tests were done on that well and they were like trace elements of some chemical they use for mental health, like lithium, okay. or lithium or something, depressive thing. Yeah. So, but you can. There have been tests like that where some trace element of some chemical is used, and perhaps there is some um, connection to it, whatever. Yeah. But to over, I think, rationalize a lot of these customs and practices is to remove or not see the symbolic content and vehicle that is often equally important you yes. know what I mean so it's not that like oh and the bark actually you know yeah. on a moonlit night emits a wisp of yeah. such yeah. a gas yeah. which yeah. can actually increase the eyesight or something like yes. that it's, it's often I think it's the it's the ritual content the emotional the symbolic <sighs> reference of the travel to the well yeah. and life sustaining waters and 
the blessing of the saint and and taking the saint's protection and so on. Loads of holy wells are called Tubber Nasul all over the country. Mm-hmm. So the idea okay. of washing your eyes and cl- cleansing your eyes is okay. really common. Or blind, blind. There, there are loads of paintings and lithographs in the 19th century of um, blind peasant girls attending the well and yeah. stuff like this. So it's a common theme. Okay. Can I just say an, just a little bit of a, a thing, that, a personal thing, right? So about a well and an experience yeah. and on that level of, of the symbolic and the meaning and, and what that is and, and, yeah. and if it's something else as well. Um, so I'm in, I'm in Clare a few years ago and uh, I've given a friend of mine a lift home and um, so it's somewhere, it's between uh, Doolin and Innes Diamond mm-hmm. and, um, and so I give my friend a lift home and, uh, and he goes, hey, pull in here and, and, and we just I go, okay, pull in and I, it's you know, late at night, uh, I don't know where I am and, and, and we go over a gate and I go into a place and, and I, th- I hear this sound and it's like um, a kind of sound that somehow... It was. It, it spoke to me in a way that f- made me feel like more comfortable than I felt in a long time, and I felt at ease. And I felt like sometimes when I get that feeling at the top of a mountain or something, where you mm. feel like oh, I can speak to my mom here, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, can speak yeah. to my dad, or you know, the people. Anyway, the people. 100%, 100%. Something that's like a way into something that you're trying to find. I don't know the other yeah, side. Thread. The other side. Yeah. And um, and I feel this thing. I hear this thing and this sound, and and I'm like, wow, what mm. the hell. And, you know, I'm still really not even, I don't know where I am mm-hmm. as such. And um, and my friend just puts on his light and, and it's like there's pictures of everybody's departed all around me, hundreds of them. Amazing, yeah. And I had I had felt that of course. before I knew yeah, what yeah. it was. And, and that's like, and that is an absolute super proof of there being something beyond the actual symbolic in terms of like, okay, maybe it's the thing that people have brought that has accumulated in that space. A ritualized aligned space. With the, uh, aligned with the sound. No doubt. Oh, uh, yes, You yes. know, that it was like this incredibly resonant feeling of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the origin of the first morning of the world or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That kind of... Well, you know, like the modern, the modern, say, materialistic or kind of... Um, rationalist view of the world is that all spaces are equal you know and equally meaningless and all time and all moments in time are equal and equally meaningless whatever but that is not the case and i suppose tradition would hold that like uh, there are say sacred landscapes or there are points in the landscape that have a maybe a, a danger to them you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there are there's fold and wash the side of death or there's there's um Sorry, what? the sod of death the sod upon which you are predestined to die that you can't escape it if you step in it you'll die <laughs> or there's the Fodine Marrow like the stray sod right so there are dangerous spaces in the natural landscape yeah. um, but there are also spaces of healing in the natural yeah. landscape there are ritual spaces there are spaces f- maybe from which uh, you know the the dead return or that they depart or to which they return or they come and go there's a bleed back and forth and that's very much something part of the the Irish psyche I think that the idea of the other world it's not this kind of uh, there is heaven over there by it's it's it comes and it goes it's it bleeds into this world here and you know what I mean that it, it's right. kind of depending on uh, what time of the ritual year we're at different things are happening there's different symbolic portents or whatever yeah you know you can visit a certain space on a Tuesday afternoon in January and nothing will happen but if you visit it on midnight at this day mm-hmm. at the evening before say the first of May or on Halloween night or whatever then it has a different energy something else happens so I think the popular kind of psyche I don't know it, it, the land I suppose the question is like does the mind make it or, or does the, is the land actually imbued yeah. with this yeah. with this space but there are spaces that you go to that have this 
yeah, they seem the spiritual feeding, and especially mm. then when you see all of the people's hopes and dreams it and sorrows just, pinned, like it was, your heart it breaks, was, you know. It was it was really one of those moments yeah. where I was like completely blown away by yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. I was, where I was, and who I was with. I felt, you yeah, know, like yeah, of I, I dropped my knees moment of yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. what I knew that yeah. for, that that power of. I mean, and and you know, okay, so having we've all lost people, and and having yeah. uh, that feeling with me it's been there all my life but it's more like yeah i don't know i've always i guess it's always some kind of search about whether where how can i reach these but we're all doing that in our pain you know everyone wants to kind of yeah. call out in, for help you know yeah I mean? that's okay. yeah and we all i'm not recommending that <laughs> right i mean in terms of of where we where we go to i guess you know this is the ancient way of doing it right so we're talking well, one about of the it. one of the things i think that's that's lacking in the in, in modernity or the, the that causes a great confusion or disarray or whatever or dislocation and all the the elements sounds like a u2 song <laughs> dislocation <laughs> all of the elements under which we um labor or whatever yeah. is often a lack of connection to our own immediate environment right a lack of knowledge of the, the deeper history or heritage of a place yeah. uh, without understanding or knowing what the place names mean what the history of it is where the holy well is why do you go there what yeah. do you do when someone dies what do you do when a child is born what does mm-hmm. it mean mm-hmm. you know is life really about shopping and football or is there yeah. something else to it and, yeah, and yeah. if there is what is it and how do we yeah. how do we express it and there's a vehicle <laughs> there's a vehicle is there for a world that. outside centre yeah, well, <laughs> yeah beyond the deli counter there, there, there's there's a there's a there's a, a whole landscape of meaning and a, a structure or a series of structures or imaginative responses to the problem of being, I suppose, that is expressed in folk tradition in beautifully, I think, in lots of the ritual customs that attach themselves to rites of passage, to things like death or birth or mm-hmm. betrothal or marriage or whatever. Um, and then to the ritual points in the landscape and invisible worlds in holy wells and sacred trees yeah. and, and what that means to, for a family to tend that for generations yeah. or for a community silently to visit it. I remember me and Sinead visiting one in Donegal uh-huh. um, and it was beautiful. I, th- I forget what the saint, who the saint was. There was an effigy of the saint at the well and there's all these cups to kind of drink all this water. But there was a pattern, there was, there was, sorry, there was a little route around that was written like what you do is you start here, you say a couple of Hail Marys and then you go over here and to this rock and, yeah. then you, and it was something to do with like for a family or something like that or for people oh, there was some particular function to it so off we sat doing this little round through like a marshy bog all these reeds or whatever um, and around the corner drove a truck and this guy beeped the horn and waved his hand out the window it was obviously a local guy but he knew what we were doing yeah. oh, ah, there is a couple walking yeah. this round yeah. from the Holy Well yeah. you know that has a function yeah, people yeah, go yeah. there before yeah, they want to yeah. have have children have a family yeah. or something like that and like yeah. there they are and well, here, I, you know, two, two, two babies <laughs> later, right? Two kids. I just should say, you just mentioned Sinead. <laughs> we, we have to mention uh, Maud and Oshin because yeah. you know what? In 16 or 17 or 18 years' time, maybe Maud and our Oshin will yeah. Google uh, your name and my name and they will hear <laughs> you not mention them. So uh, to Johnny and Sinead's uh, three month old. Boy beautiful girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, take it from me. Um, yeah, anyway, well, what a beautiful thing. Um, so. Yeah. Um, that that's amazing. I mean, I I you know, it's all around us in 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 the part of the world where I come from, Sleivluka. It's really yeah. significant there, beneath the Paps Mountains, and there's yeah. there's Shron, there's the city, there's these spots that everything that you just said is kind of there. Yeah. Um, just when it comes to the seasonal thing, Johnny, there's a there is. Where did we kind of lose all of that stuff and go into, uh, you know, from sound to Halloween to where, when did we do that? Uh, it's hard. It's it's hard to pinpoint a lot of it. 
you see the question is as well often and I feel this personally myself a sense of like a sense of loss or a wonder of kind of what have we lost or, or is, is this all slipping away is it kind of but it's kind of a always going, never gone in a way as well. Yeah. Things change. Tradition is a dynamic force that changes to reflect its own environment, you know. Uh-huh. And it's quite unse- unsentimental about that as well. Like right. in the sense that, say, you can have all these ornate, um, you know, medieval narratives that only a few people can tell and they're renowned for them. But when that stops having a certain social function and people watch TV instead, those customs are kind of taken out and shot, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or... If not, they become oxbow lakes and they eventually dry up, <laughs> right? If if the tradition doesn't have an immediate relative function in the society in which it's expressed, it, yeah. then it just goes away. And so, however, then there's the question: is well, what is the degeneration de- de- over generations away from these things? And certain there are like traditionalist views around away from the world of of this the kind of study of folklore, um, the idea that like there are different ages in the cosmos and that we're in a dark age you know the Kali Yuga is the Hindu one there's the the, the Iron Age or whatever the Wolf Age and so on and different different traditions or whatever that say that truth is kind of hidden increasingly behind more and more veils and and uh, everything kind of falls away or whatever so but certainly I think in many ways we are living in a, in a yeah, dark age yeah that would explain a lot confusion, about what's of disintegration age of distrust and dislocation and, yeah. and so on I, and, and I mean but sorry the, the thing of when yeah I, I, I don't I don't really know. I mean, certainly the advent of... It's impossible to say, probably. Yeah, like the advent of so many... I mean, the, it's, it's a double-edged sword because like, by the benefit and the marvels of, of modern technology, you can do something like put that podcast out. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so, so much of the traffic across that vehicle is, is such dross, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Like, I guess you just try and use it for good, you know? No, again, it goes back to that thing of contributing somehow to the counter- Current. counterweight yeah, of, the, of yeah. the other thing. But just on the point of, of that, just seeing as we came so back... I'm going on, sli- I'm sli- like slipping down no, into that, my That's fine, but seeing as we went on, 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 you know, just when it comes to, to, to now and that kind of moment that, that has kind of, you know, changed everything. I mean, you would, yeah. you would, you would say that there might be an opportunity there to kind of... Uh, Reassess. Yeah, address those kind of reset and address those things. Yeah. I mean, but look, that would be hoping. But look, I, I, I just want to bring us back a bit again to, mm-hmm. to Blarini Belly Dish, right? Um, just when it comes, we'll say, to the type of recordings and, and yeah. material that you work with. So we're going to listen to one that has uh, a woman t- from when talking this about... Is from, this is from uh, 1979 or 1980. This is from County Wicklow. This woman's called Lizanne Fitzpatrick. I love this piece. Uh, she's talking about... It's in the context of, of sacred trees, say, or or other world trees, fairy trees specifically. Yeah. So the fairy host being this other world community of kind of nature spirits who live alongside us in the natural landscape who are kind of dangerous, not morally ill, not morally bad, but kind of dangerous. Stay away from them. Sometimes they help you, sometimes they hinder you, whatever. Um, but they live in certain places, in forts, in, in sometimes the woods, whatever, or in rocks, under trees, in lakes and so on. Um, certain trees you don't cut like a hawthorn tree in the oh, middle yeah. of a field that looks like it wasn't planted by a human hand or whatever. Yeah. and in this recording Lizanne is kind of talking about her own love for her father and portraying him as a man standing against the the tide of the community which says cut that bloody tree down you old fool and he's saying no that's an old tree that that's there for many generations and we're yeah. going to keep it so he refuses mm-hmm. to cut this tree down because yeah. it's a fairy tree yeah um so she's talking about the tradition. It's framed in the tradition, but in a way she's also talking about her love for her father oh, okay, and painting nice. this little picture of yeah, him. So yeah. this is taken from a broader conversation about invisible worlds I had with, with Eddie Lennon. Yeah. Um, but okay. this is from, yeah, it's from 1980. It's Lizanne Fitzpatrick. See, we have, Tom and our house, my father had a great big tree in it. Oh, an awful big tree. Mm. And, 
at an apple tree. And of course, it's, it interfered with me father. Of course, I suppose they have it took over the field where it is now, because the corn field, it was in. My father always ploughed and everything around, and people used to say, You're a foolish old man. What do you think you are? Why don't you throw that tree down and have all that space? No, says my father. That tree is there in our old generation, and that's a real old, old tree, he said. And that's a fairy tree, he says, and I would not touch it. My father wouldn't touch the tree. No, he wouldn't let you go near an apple on it. Really? The poor old... There was an apple. Oh, I wouldn't let an apple off it for anything. Oh, no, my father wouldn't have even touched an apple off it. No, it's any other trees. apples to be, and still we wouldn't touch them. The cows, like, cows that we let them into the field, they would eat the apples yeah. off it, but we wouldn't touch them, no. Touch nothing belong to a fairy, you're not supposed to. Uh, packed out with apples. <laughs> uh, what a beautiful clip, Johnny. So there's, so there's like, yeah, yeah, twelve thousand hours of material. There's, there's, there's an incredible, endless source yeah, of there, this there stuff. Yeah, really there really is. There really is. And working with it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it must be a dream job. Let's face it. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, it's very, it's, uh, it's very special. Really, you're kind of feel like you're working. Like it's like tending. The tabernacle or something you know what yeah, i mean yeah yeah and when you're in the source when you're in with all the manuscripts which consist of like the voices of of countless ordinary men and women from all over ireland from, yeah. from years gone by you're in the route in the in the archive kind of strong with all those manuscripts locking up at night sometimes just like i don't know i feel that's certain duty i guess to to those I suppose to those, yeah, the material that was so generously shared and that's there, there's a lot of healing in it. There's a lot of imaginative power in mm-hmm. it. There's a lot of creative power in it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a huge restorative power, a re- regenerative power. And while it's very easy to, to kind of romanticize the past and think like, oh, we must go back to this, that, and the other. We can't go back, you know, there is no turning back. But you can reconnect with certain forces and energies and let them reinform and, and, and kind of realign your own, yeah. vision of what the future might be using tradition and moving forward yeah not that it just should be some uh you know twee woolly jumper kind of thing that yeah. there's a whole other dynamic range of possibility that we don't tap into in this country and we're embarrassed mm. about and, did, we, and did, we shouldn't be yeah really embarrassed about it I, I i'd like to think that's changing slightly it is it definitely is it definitely is in terms of the, ter- definitely in terms of um I think there's been many examples in the, in the in recent years in fact of of there being like a bit of a sea change about uh, how we how we look at our own stuff and uh, yeah I think it I think a lot of it I think actually the the um no, I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who's kind of looking for that stuff. Or yeah, now may, not just may, even in the musical I, I, sense, but in, in in visual arts. Yeah, um, and hopefully with the language. Too, and really. yeah, yeah, and and um, I think the economic collapse and so on did a lot for sending a lot of people in the direction of the traditional songs and so on. Again, yeah. I mean, I know for yeah. again to mention like Sinead and. Um, who was involved in setting up the night before Larry got stretched yep. and all those, the younger generations of yeah. singers who then yeah. would join in with the the support and kind of the, uh, what would you say, the taking them under their wing with the likes of the Goalie. Oh, yeah. I've, you know I've, what I mean? I've, this I've, the intergenerational thing. Is like, yeah. That's, that's a living force. So A very good example of, of what we're kind of talking about, of, of you know, the, the, the way it... it yeah, it, adapting it and, and kind of moving forward with it and being confident in, I think... What's hugely important is that we, as a uh, a people with a shared past and shared destiny, something are not afraid to draw on the wealth of this material and not yeah. be afraid that it'll be. It's kind of 
But just, um, yeah, not to be afraid at all. Because, yeah, not okay, to be afraid, full stop. Yeah. yeah, full stop. Because you know what? Okay, so last few years ago, um, I'm a huge fan of the Goalean Singers Club. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I had, had Dutch friends around and they were here on uh, Friday and they were only here for a few days so I didn't mm. want to impose anything on them mm-hmm. but I was uh, met for dinner and then I was like oh, you know the Goalean's on tonight and and yeah. Uh, and yeah I thought twice about it I was like maybe it's not the right thing but I was like oh no it's definitely the right it thing is. it's definitely the right it thing it is the right thing and uh, they were gobsmacked and you know yeah. these people are they you know they have uh, they live in Amsterdam they have lots of sophisticated stuff mm-hmm. art architecture all that stuff mm-hmm. everything you know we do this so well and we do that so well mm-hmm. but they had never seen anything like it yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and you know I was really proud of it because of you know I felt like okay there's the Dutch masters and there's the Irish masters yeah, and these yeah, are yeah, the yeah, Irish yeah. masters you know 100%, and, and, and 100%. In, in every way and and that I think they they're still talking about it, but I think what was like when you're with people from another, you know, where you, whom you're kind of hoping will be impressed. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, it stands you, out in sharper relief. Yeah, because of just how it works, you know. Of course. And, and that thing of you know, I've seen Landless perform there. I've seen Lisa O'Neill perform there. I've yeah. seen people come in, the younger people yeah. mixing, and and it works so well. But it's how it mixes, and yeah, it's yeah. just not just between the the younger and the older generation. It's it's between the the different levels of of yeah. ability. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, and also. It's just that sense of humour and the way it passes around and mm-hmm. that warmth. It's like yeah. a very warm Connecting, stream. communal. Yeah, very warm stream. So it's like, it's like, you know, the way we were, we were talking about it afterwards, obviously. And I was saying, well, you know, if it was in another country, England, it would be like very formal. It would be mm-hmm. organised. And now we shall have this and then we shall mm-hmm. have that. But mm-hmm. there it was like the way it was, if I wanted you to sing, I would make a joke about you and then you would make a joke back and then you would sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you go and you get the next person, you would cajole in another way and, yeah, and yeah. that kind of, it's just... Yeah. There's a whole un- unwritten language or something of yeah how it how it and it's greater than some of its parts in those nights well, when it all... Well, it's very inclusive, right? Yeah, it's communal. It's essentially communal. It's like traditional dance as well. Take the idea. I remember being at an amazing party, a friend of ours, uh, a friend of ours, Nina, her birthday party years ago, her 30th, a couple of years ago. And um, at the, the there was also the fa- family and friends gathered into the kitchen, whatever. I think it was my favourite party I was ever at. Wow. And myself and Sinead and Nina and so on are there. And uh, her father's called out for some sets, Oh, to yeah. be played so there's loads of tunes in the house um, and everyone starts playing and everyone starts doing these set dances and I can't you know dance a set to save my life or whatever but the instructions are being called out so now everyone is crammed into the kitchen all the guests who were there I might have spoken to you but throughout the course of these rolling patterns that the set dance yeah. kind of uh, yeah. causes to occur everyone winds up swinging out of everyone else and, and dancing Wave, waves I think rolling waves yes <laughs> <laughs> so, so by the time it was done and everyone had danced all these sets. Everyone has kind of, you know, danced with everybody else. So there's a hugely communal expression and, and thing about it. And also, you don't have to come up with some marvellous dance yourself. You <laughs> yeah. give over to the to the pattern that the tradition kind of dictates and you find your own individual yeah. expression in this communal kind of gathering or whatever. Yeah. But afterwards, the atmosphere was just incredible. The whole house had lifted. Everyone's talking to everyone, young yeah. to old. And then the party just goes nuts. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the... Oh, now, 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 hold on. Now, now, go 
contrast that, say, with the weird solipsistic kind of what's the trend of people dancing on 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 your phone or whatever oh, TikTok, TikTok, yeah. TikTok, yeah. So <laughs> what? So you know what I mean? But they are dancing to like on their own to millions of people or something like that. You know, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> or think of like at a rave or something, dancing at some techno-y thing. It's all singular dancing. I am dancing. You know, I'm communing yeah. with the music. I, but I, dancing. I, oh, we, yeah, I am dancing or something. So there's a different thing with tradition where you can express yourself as an individual in a communal form. Yeah. It goes back to, you were talking about being original earlier. and so You don't need to be original, okay. but you can be sincere. No, I get what you're saying. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I don't even know what I was talking about. Where, where <laughs> no, we? it's great though. Well, yeah, it's just funny about the thing about like I can't answer set to, to say, but I've, I think I told you before, and I've definitely told the listeners before about my my father. Yeah, died, yeah, died yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but you know what? The thing about the set dance, right? And it's it's you know again having di- denied all that while it was happening at the yeah, time. Yeah. Come back to thinking it's just so fascinating. Oh, and what, what you're saying is kind of what I find really intriguing about it that you know again I keep referring to it if you want um, to listen to an album where the set dance is 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 at its peak 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 set dancing is <laughs> is is is, is, um, is Tony McMahon and Noel Hill and Knock Negree right yeah. uh, but um, but the gabba of set dancing yeah, yeah it's just the it's the it's the kind of the the way that it comes together you know mm. when there's that sort mm-hmm. of like activity and the way it, it works is there is that feeling that that feeling of i don't know it's like i can't I, I'm the world to, swings on its hinges everything yeah, lifts exactly the world spins on its axis and the, the doors the doors blow open yeah yeah but, but, uh, <laughs> it's amazing but, but yeah oh god it's so exciting yeah yeah, yeah but just you know <laughs> i i was lucky that when when i was in college in the late 90s and it got into photography uh, like Knocknagree was on the hill from from where we were in Watmore, so um, mm. you know it's uh, yeah, going to the top of the hill is a good thing. So in mm-hmm. that in that case, lovely place. And uh, but um, that place was still going and was still on a Sunday night. Johnny O'Leary, there would be mm. set dancing. So I, as a photography student, went and and took pictures there a few mm. times, mm-hmm. and and it was still that thing of, of it was still swinging at that point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Very soon after that, it, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, you know, so, yeah. so yeah, um, I mean to sum up, it's a wonderful thing, and it's all there. And um, it is all there, and we just need to tap into it. Like the golden age is all around us. I think that was uh, George Russell A.E. used to go on about that a bit. You know, we're talking about this kind of lost golden age, but it's there in the air around us right now. Just to tap yeah. into it, you know. Yeah. These other strands, threads, yeah. tapestries—they're all there. They're yeah. they're alive or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there are high kind of tributaries up the mountain that I think, if they could feed into the arts, they would be of great benefit. Yeah. You know, and if, and if the arts in all forms were, were to were to look to aspects of tradition, you know, for inspiration, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not just with traditional music, but in, in all aspects. You will find, uh, yeah, a trove of, of um, uh, well, richness, madness, you know, lunacy, mm-hmm. hilarious, kind of, yeah, uh, just the whole, all human life is there, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, so there you go, and it's you can just go and uh, make an appointment with Johnny. And, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 people are welcome to come and visit. It's generally my pleasure to rant about these things, uh, people, so. Um, we have, there's a website as well where lots of this is online, duchas.ie, oh, yeah. d-u-c-h-a-s.ie. Uh, and then... The, the podcast you can get wherever yeah people it's get kind of wherever podcasts, podcasts are yeah yeah um, is where we are Blurini Beladish B-L-U for the I-O-R-I for the N-I father yeah yeah B-E for the A-L-O-I-D-I-S no one will ever get it a lot of people would even say like how do you pronounce it or why did you but um 
I you find it online, I'm sure. Again, I think it's a great name. Um, so, Johnny, we'll go back to the music just for a little mm. while. I think maybe, I think we should resolve to possibly have a, Blu- a Blurini Bale Yiddish versus Make Me an Island uh, that would be amazing. mashup, which you could bring some stuff and, and again, oh, that'd be great. That'd get be us great. into more. Um, bring a lot of old Yeah, because I, I guess, you know, in, in my own journey in the last few years uh, with field recordings and, yeah. and going back to kind of source material, uh, various types, Lomax included, Alan Lomax, is. Um, it's been, you know, after a period where, for me, music became, just for different reasons, um, I reached a point with it, you know, um, mm. where, you know, I'd always been very lucky to be living the dream and working with it. And then you, something happens in your life and, and I wasn't working with it. And then just over a period of time, I found it harder to to kind of get in touch with that mm-hmm. thing that used to always work for me. Yeah. But the thing that really brought me back was... In many, in 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 a lot of ways, was the purity of these recordings that I would hear yeah. pre pre any sort of commercial transaction stuff, you know. Mm. So so you know from twenties onwards, you know mm-hmm. the stuff. Uh, and um, but there's something there that you can kind of like really tap into um, a kind of unmediated power. That's yeah. uh, you know that that. Obviously, when it comes to a recording contract being involved, the power is somehow, you mm-hmm. know, contrived or, or diluted mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some way. But um, so I suppose that's kind of a, a, a something that I'm, I'm very interested in because, mm. um, yeah, it's the pure drop. It's it's yeah. all it's all those things. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be um, it'd be daddy to drag some little archival recordings along yeah. and go Let's through them or something like that. Let's resolve to do that. But, but, um, but in the meantime, maybe we'll take a couple of more influences and, and, yes. and maybe a final tune as well. But look, Perfect. look, I think we have to, out of the, out of the ones that you sent, um, uh, Andy Irvine, Paul Brady, in actual fact, I was watching some, I mean, I'm always up for watching them play in, mm-hmm. in bits and pieces of, of uh, video that you can find online. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, the best of the best that, that album yeah yeah changed my life that yeah. album altogether well, when did that enter the equation Johnny? when I was about 20 about 20 years old or something yeah. like that and I'm just just what is what in the name of God yeah. the, the the palettes of sound the tones the the melodies the instruments yeah. they're using yeah how yeah. are they doing all that all these weird patterns and their voices this what are they singing about what are all these weird <laughs> the pictures and the songs you know yeah really 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 um, again, another just this hugely kind of emotional landscape that they create in that music. That's just yeah. like it's just timeless. It's marvelous. Mm-hmm. Again, I suppose we're talking same like John Fahey levels of technique mixed with feeling for the material. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's and kind of couched more in a tradition, but it's not entirely of it. It's also kind of branching away a bit or doing its own thing with the arrangements and with yeah. the instrumentation and stuff like that. Making it their own in yeah. ways. Yeah, and the weird timings are just like, oh my god. Uh, how do you mean like that? Like uh, some of the there's just strange timings in so, in some of the. Right. the tunes in the album okay and um the arrangements and stuff like this i just like they're going out the limb there like, kind of yeah it's yeah just, it's, it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible yeah okay let's hear it andy irvine paul brady my mood is clothed in autumn shades my summer sun begins to fade Fading away with the waning year 
tempo now autumn is here laughing there as we're kind of just describing um, raucous bazooki arrangements and timings and then into, into autumn gold the, the, the moment in the album that's not like that that's not like that no, no. <laughs> but still you know um, it's still autumn gold mm-hmm. um, there's uh, I suppose it, it's one of those records that yeah it's, it's it, it does stop you in your tracks or turn mm-hmm. or, or it has the potential to kind of turn your mm-hmm. head around for sure um, there's um, and, and I mean you know, I mean, yeah, 
I think Paul Brady's an interesting character, isn't he? What, I mean, what he did after when he yeah, I'm not really, I'm not aware of like the rest of his. Well, like, I just know this blip of the where he was doing all the but I mean, just stuff. In, interesting in the sense that like he took it somewhere that um, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, yeah, went yeah. on a. I mean, I think the journey is still ongoing, but it like a 100%. phenomenal arc of yeah, uh, in, yeah. oh, into God, yeah. other territory. Kind of, I suppose, similar to that thing we were talking about earlier about the people who can kind of take it somewhere else or do the other thing. And yeah. uh, I mean, he he was able to write great pop songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I just want to take one more um, before we finish, uh, Johnny, and it's a, it's a bit of a curveball, um, but um, I'm a huge fan of Patsy Cline as well. Um, uh, what is it about her voice? What isn't the song just absolutely kills me? Yeah, um, there's there's a thing. I mean, like she she died. She was thirty years old when she died. She had her her recording career Mm. was it was eight years in total. Mm. So there was kind of like you know, I mean, an absolutely a case of of um, the potential that was Mm -hmm. there. Um, And and this song in particular, um, life is like a railroad, mountain railroad. (laughs) Excuse me, life is like a mountain railroad. <laughs> oh, I'm coughing here. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's all gospel tune. John Fahey does an instrumental version. Yeah, of there's it's, a lot of versions. It's of just, but this is, it's the one, when I heard this first, I just, I, I, uh, I think I sat by the radio and I heard, there's a, there's a, some country show on the radio I was listening to and then I played it on my phone about 500 times, sent it to loads of family and friends and just sat there welling up by the radio listening to it. It's yeah. just, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, just listen. Yeah. Um, let's hear it. Life is like a mountain railroad with an engine that's brave. Must make the run successful from the cradle to the grave. What's the curve? The fills and tunnels.
what a wonderful song. It's incredible, yeah. And um, the, the, the the backing vocals really are so yeah, sweet yeah, with yeah. the um with the little um train motion sounds. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> so it's, soft incredible. it's my favourite so version by far of that, but her voice and their voices as well. It's yeah. just it's like yeah. So classy. Mm. Um, yeah, no, she was only 30 years old, was coming back from, was flying back from a concert when she died and, and had just been like kind of exploded with, with yeah, crazy and... Um, yeah, tragic. It's one. It's like, it's Patsy Cline and Hank Williams. Mm. What the hell? I, I mean... Know, they're both just like, cut. Yeah, and, and in both cases, and I mean, with her, right, it was that kind of crossover thing she was the first mm. real country star to to have like a pop or you know as in crazy was a crossover yeah, right. sensation yeah, yeah. but it, 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 the voice kind of is country but it's also everything yeah, as yeah, well isn't yeah, it yeah 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 um and uh, they're still you know uh 60 years later nobody else has sung like her no i don't <laughs> think so i don't think so um Johnny, it's been so great talking to you. We've, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope it made sense to people. Uh, yeah, um, so ah, I love it to be on. It's so yeah, good chatting to you. Like you're well, always so generous with your time. Well, and it's bringing people together and giving people um, voices and making things happen. Yeah, you know? making dogs bark. <laughs> dogs bark exactly. <laughs> There's more. Um, it's it's got it's been a great talking about. Um, I mean, I would again direct people to to both records. Um, so the a farewell to reason is mm-hmm. available on Bandcamp. Ron Island uh, Bandcamp, and yeah. will be on vinyl form. Yeah, the vinyl. It was just um, we had to get the test pressings kind of redone. Problem with them, so um, it's a little bit late. But I think another two weeks, three weeks, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and then songs for a one string guitar is is on vinyl and on all city records all city. and in all city records Indeed. as well. Um, Shout out to Olan and, and the lads, and and yeah, and also to B Plus who who did the cover. Yeah, for man, that. that was such a good day. How did that happen? Alan sorted it out, and okay. then I was given a talk in Garurua in Carro, and it was yeah, it was bizarre. I rang him, I rang um, Brian B plus. Alan set up the. He's just like sent me the number or whatever, and, and he was home for a few days. Yeah. And so uh, I had to give a talk in Carro, and I was preparing for it in the folklore archive. And I stepped, ran out of the archive because the reception there was terrible. Rang him, chatting to him, and he was saying, "Look." he's in Dublin for this night or whatever and maybe we'll try and make paths cross or something and I mentioned I think that I was just like I think I was up the walls like racing to get this lecture done and going to Carrow the next day and he was like oh what's what are you doing over there or whatever and he'd explained that he as a kid used to go to the Oriada house yeah and that's there yeah and uh, that there was like I forget what the connection was but he was it was would Pater read or something like that that he, he anyway was over at this this house um, so he decided, he's like, hold on, let me just chat to my wife and we kiddo, see what they say. And uh, basically he was like, yeah, we're going to go to Cairo, Car- to <laughs> up to your talk and all this sort of crack. So I met him up there. He drove up. Brought from his, Limerick. Brought yeah. his little daughter from, he was in Limerick oh, at the time. Yeah. Not to, yeah. Um, they drove up and his wife. And so I had to give this talk and it was like the Mackerel Festival. So I was like, so mackerels in tradition and folklore and stuff yeah. and from around manuscripts and stuff taken in that area and photographs in Irish in this kind of town hall did you have um, mackerel samples in the talk? I did not you it was all I've just had a, photograph and manuscript I based I had a, a day in Donegal recently where I had mackerel oh, three times nice <laughs> all from somewhere we were looking at it was just uh, yeah but go on sorry Johnny. but uh, so he came up for that and then before the talk the day of the talk we just went into this beach and he just like bring the guitar and 
Yeah, it was amazing. Does someone just make you feel so you're not even aware that it's almost happening? You know what I mean? I saw us just sitting in a rock yeah. playing guitar and he's taking these, these oh, shots. We, we, we are big fans of B Plus and his work. Yeah, it's done. The stuff um, he's done is insane. Insane, yeah. And also a, a great uh, person to, I mean, incredible barometer. I was going to say commentator, but like a very good person to take the read on, on yeah, the political a, yeah, situation. Great day of uh, you two guys with pleasant chat. We'd get him. on very well. Yeah, it was good crack. Um, so look. Um, yeah, so those both those albums are available. Maybe um, we'll resolve to just do this again and and go deeper into the folklore area. But for now, Johnny, do you mm-hmm. want to play out with yeah, another yeah, tune? And and what what do you gonna, what are you going to play this time? A requiem for Joe Dillon. This is the last one off the record. This is a tune wrote from my uncle Joe after he passed away. Okay, great. So, yeah, thanks, Johnny. And thanks a million. And well, uh, yeah, I hope people enjoyed it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't you be worrying about that. <laughs> <laughs>
it's Johnny Dillon, Automatic Tasty. You'll find him on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's where you'll find him. You'll find us on Patreon. This is Bake Me an Island. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>